clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. Sam, can you believe we have come to the end possibly forever? Like, likely forever. I'd say likely. Of the, I'd say likely of the I Know What You Did Last Summer TV show. I can't. I thought we I would know. never record this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we recorded New Year's Eve before we recorded the last episode of I Know What You Did Last Summer. I'm really glad we did because there are some striking similarities that I'm looking forward to talking about. <laughs> Uh, I love that th- I love this show's commitment to the very end of no one pursuing follow-up questions. Even when they ask them, not pursuing the answers. Mm-mm. No thanks. I <laughs> no, thanks. I got to say episode 8 personally did not let me down and I no. couldn't be more excited for this to be the end cap of our Super Psycho Short season 3. <laughs> <laughs> It, this is, uh, this, these super these super psycho teens or early twenty somethings, whatever. These super psycho Gen Zers in this show. I can't tell you how excited, friend. What a title! Your life could be so much happier. What a title! What a title in a slew but, of incredible know, titles for this show. Shouldn't the title have been the love story of the century? The love story of the set. Absolutely, it should have. I I could not have guessed and was so pleasantly surprised to see that the end game of I Know What You Did Last Summer Season 1, perhaps one and only, is the love story of the century. This show, for me, is a case for queer villains. I... Could not agree more. You know how I feel about queer villains, and everybody else will know how I feel about queer villains once the doc comes out. Um, yeah. <laughs> both real life Honestly. and fictional. Um, yes, completely. In this case, if somebody said, how do you do high tension but not make it homophobic? If somebody said to me, how do you do basic instinct three? Like, yeah. ask three. me these questions, and I will tell you. How would you do wild things in 2021? The answer is I know what you did last summer of the series. How would you how would you make the roommate about friends on an on a Hawaiian island? I am stunned. This movie makes me want to be a queer villain. I am here <laughs> yes! for episode 8. People and I got to say people our listeners on Twitter, some of my friends who have also been enjoying this podcast, uh, have Good. been approaching me like I can't wait for you guys to catch up and see episode 8. I want to see what you think. People seem to be really let down by episode 8. I got to say not me. Uh, what? Oh, what did they want? Did they What else did they want? This gives us quite truly everything. Did they stay for the credits? Uh, this is delivers. Does it give us what it usually gives us? Yeah. Are we going to see more of the world's longest party? Yeah. Are yeah. we going to see, you know, dad and the cop putting their clothes back on? Of course. You know, like. Are, are, just... are we going to be reminded that this is Dylan Island? Absolutely. Is Margot going to bring up Dylan Salt Lake? But refer... like, yes. Thank God. I love that. Like, what did she say? She's are like, these kids going to say tea? You bet your gonna ass say they that. will. I think they said it three or four times. This in episode. one scene. In one scene. It in was, one yeah, scene. Yeah, you're right, because they did. It was T and then T and then T. Uh, <laughs> I got to say, most convincing T this series goes to Margot in this episode. The least convincing T out of all eight episodes also comes in this episode, and that goes to Allison. So what are, what are we supposed to do? 
absolutely nothing except to act normal. Oh, and lock our doors. T, I mean, we don't we don't even know what he said, so I was gonna say, please tell me it's from Allison because it is. It's like it's like Allison. The thing I love it to me, it might it like the snake almost eats its tail and it becomes one of the best teas while being the least convincing tea because it's like that thing where you start talking like your friends yes. and you don't mean to and it doesn't sound quite natural coming out of you, but you just absorb it. That felt like a real reality index moment where, of course, Allison would start awkwardly saying tea. She's been around Margot all summer. It's like that TikTok thing where it's like a gay guy tells a like masculine gay guy to say faggot and then he's like yeah. faggot and it's like ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah, like that's homophobic yeah, stop that, you did not say that right that's how allison <laughs> says t it's like oh you don't get to say it then if you're gonna <laughs> yeah. if you're not gonna say it with conviction you're not gonna say it appropriately you don't get to use that word i'm sorry yeah, it's like it, it's like this has been appropriated from different areas of the queer community. And despite the fact that you yourself are a queer girl, you don't get to say tea. It's like Allison says tea and she like looks around to make sure she's not canceled yet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> she's so nervous. Uh, so opening scene. It felt, like, it felt like they had to go through that one with Madison Eisman a few times. And they were like, well, we got it. No, we got it. It's okay. Something I, I love about the writing of episode eight is that it doesn't wait for the biggest reveal. I'd say there are a couple of big reveals, obviously, but I, but the most shocking jaw-dropping one is the one that happens set to Charlie XCX Claws. By the way, yes. if you don't think this is queer horror, 10 seconds into this episode, they're playing Charlie XCX. You know, any yeah. if, if it's a Charlie XCX song that, that straight people couldn't identify, then you know it's <laughs> queer. Sorry, that's, that's exactly it. right. And yep. And somebody's I think even Margot in the car is like, I love this song. You know, she's like really <laughs> vibing. And like Oh, her and Johnny are the ones who are vibing. Yes. It's her and Johnny. Meanwhile, front seat, Allison's having full mental breakdown. Like, <laughs> it's just sex. You know what I mean? Like, it's like oh. Dylan is like, I think I need to go home. It's, and Riley can't stop saying burrito. Burrito. Oh my god, this is this scene is the everybody's being peak them. And in the best moment, we see Lennon, who's been crying and was like obviously dropped there by her dad, we have learned. Uh, Abandoned in the road, yes. She looks at the car and makes eye contact with her twin and begins running towards the car. And her twin, Allison, who is driving, pretending to be Lennon, puts her foot on the fucking gas guys floor it Haley I'm gonna kill my twin sister floor it Haley full <laughs> stick it death oh my and you god can, you can bet she stuck that landing yo I mean she, no survivors this is for worlds <laughs> I this is her world I am I mean at that moment I was like I could just end this here if they had said the end <laughs> I would have been like all right Honestly. season two here I come you know what yeah, I mean? It's like, like, well, I whatever whoever did the killing is honestly ancillary. It could be literally anybody, but this was the reveal. This twin psycho death pact was not on my list of predictions. No, the the I mean, because you say there were predictions, we have to know that you utterly called it with Margot. Thank you. Utterly, one hundred percent through do, and through, called it with Margot. I appreciate that. Every time Margot was dragging Allison to like fake Allison yeah. or fake fake Lennon, she really yeah, it he, was because she knew. Cause and we as we get the wonderful line in this episode from Margot. Margot, please. I gave you so many chances to tell the truth. I... 
even in her first scene in present time with Margot, Margot says, I mean, obviously, I'm nothing like her. Yeah, you're definitely not desp and annoying. No disrespect. Desp and annoying. I love Margot leaves the, the second half of almost every other word <laughs> off completely. I'm yeah. so into it. It's like, wow, if somebody called me desp and annoying, I would be... <laughs> I mean, probably shattered. I don't know why. It's kind of like Rihanna one time tweeted that somebody was ugly. And it's like, wow, for some reason, that just feels like such a read. It's such an old school playground drag. Yeah. Sure. Desperate At a certain annoying. point, it's like, wow, there was no, you didn't even want to spend any time on creativity. You just wanted to get right to the We're point. We're going right to it on this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not going to weave an allegory. I'm just going to be like, you're desperate annoying. We get mom with hair from a different show. Mom's hair, mom's hair is set in Texas. Mom, who yet again, as you said, in it was either <laughs> so long ago, I don't remember, it was six or seven, probably seven. Uh, tell me you're here to tell me you're here to cause trouble without telling me you're here to cause trouble. <laughs> Every single Every scene. syllable that comes out of her mouth is there to cause trouble. She is the most one-dimensionally heartless, horrible character I can remember seeing in an extremely long time. Lennon sent me Allison's obituary with a rather nasty note. Well, can you blame her after what you did? I did what was best for everyone. I don't watch Real Housewives, but I watch, obviously, all the memes. This mom yeah. is not the lead housewife. Oh, <laughs> Do you know oh what I mean? My. She couldn't be. She could. It's, it would stop being entertainment if she was the lead housewife. It would just be like, this is just a parade of depravity. She's on the show. It's fine. She's filler wife. <laughs> yeah, she lives. If this is if this is a Real Housewives of New York situation, she's in the borough we go to least. She reminds me of. Did you ever watch Revenge, the 2011 show? I committed to that for Madeline Stowe. You bet your bottom Thank God, dollar. Because I did. I did start to finish. And by the way, 2011 Revenge had a bisexual character reveal, a male bisexual character, which we Nolan, almost, right? Yes. Which we almost never get in thrillers. Uh, we yep. almost never get anywhere. But specifically in in a in a thriller that verges on horror, Revenge actually gave us a bisexual character. But anyways, it also gave us a lot of bad hair. And mom's hair. I I just looked at that shot and I was like, the shot where she like looks up and her bangs are six feet up in the air. And I was like, oh my god, she's from Revenge. It was that hair. That was like that was fully facts of life hair. I, like, that hair was from a different era of televised sitcoms. I, she came here through a time machine. She didn't <laughs> she fly did. a plane in. <laughs> she, like, she came through a wormhole. And no time has passed for her since her fake death. And she's here to tell you about a cult and shame you for calling it a cult. I love that she immediately delivers the title of the episode. Your next life could be so much happier. She says this twice in the episode. Once to dad. And then she says it again to her daughter. Um, as if, you know, we, we know very little about this cult and I unfortunately think the show thinks I'm more interested in finding out about the cult than I am. Yeah. It is given, it is given, I think the, it, there is a sweet spot of the worst amount of breadcrumbs you could give for this mystery yeah. to have it be like definitely a part of something, but definitely not worth caring about. And I think this show nails that sweet spot of the worst amount of clues about the cult. Time is coming. It's my responsibility to keep the prophecy safe. You know how ridiculous you sound. It's just, it's like we, everybody that's listening to this podcast has a relative who's a Republican. You know what I mean? Like we have dealt with people who are 
in the fucking cult, right? Like we've yeah. dealt with people who saw January 6th last year and were like, it was the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That they, they think those people are heroes. I have yep. been living in a world with people who, who their, their ulterior fact, their, uh, what's it called? Uh, alternative reality. Alternative reality. Alternate facts. Yeah. I, yeah. I have, I don't need more of that. So when I get cults on horror things, I'm just like, Ooh, I I'm good. Unless that cult is going to be organized, organized around summoning something fantastical. Oh, I'm a, okay. Like, you know what? We fair. have like, like in, in yellow jackets, I'm oh, digging the cult shit because it's right. like, there's a pagan ritual deer God eating girls. Okay. But that doesn't feel like, okay. The way they're doing cult in this show, it's, it's it's by paint by numbers cult where Yellow Jackets is reinventing it because that's kind exactly. of exactly like, I immediately as soon as I said what I said I was thinking about the invitation by Karn Kusama and I fucking yeah. love the way that is executed because they're reinventing it. This show's not doing anything different on that. So luckily, you know, this is like do you remember do you remember Heaven's Gate? Do you remember Jim Jim Jones? Uh, here's a bingo board of them in the with the scantest amount of detail. To flush them out. We just keep hearing people mention dead people. And then mom, who the twist is alive, comes back and only speaks in oblique reference to her. But like she comes back and the only reason she's back is she's like, I need the Bible. Oh and my we're like, God, I nobody know. explained a goddamn Bible and nobody's going to explain a and goddamn thing, Bible. I don't need that this season. Don't worry. And dad is like, Fred has no idea where you are, does he? He understands how dangerous it is for you to be here. That doesn't mean anything to any of us. I, Dylan is somehow part of the cult. Like he keeps yeah. referencing, I set her free, I set, I set her, her free. free. It's like, okay, I've All right. heard this enough to know at this point that you mean something in reference to the cult, but we have no idea what your connection is. Like your parents are hippies. And at the end, when Dylan's being clapped in irons and hauled off, his mom is like, Dylan wouldn't hurt anybody. Do you know who my family don't, is? I it's like, wrote no. that quote down because it's like, no, we don't. We've never been told who no, your family is. No, we don't at all. And like, not one little bit do we know. No, we haven't been told that. So why that ADR? I mean, like, <laughs> I, it's just like because obviously that didn't come out of that actor's mouth the day of the shoot. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. do you know? And and it's just so the way that that sounded was so fake. And I'm trying to think. There was something that Dylan said that was like, like after being pressed by the police, then he's like, "There is no redemption in this life." Ah, uh, Dylan. There's no redemption in this life. The the continued the gaslighting of this show that Dylan is the most nice, kind, sweet, angelic savior that's ever existed with he wouldn't the hurt a absolute fly. lack of reinforcement yes. of that in anything he does is almost at this point, I value it as like an inside joke. It has to be. Like it, at this point, it feels like a runner for like between us and the show. If you stuck with it, you too are laughing at this continued assertion. The, and like, because then we get like constantly the thing we hear from Margot is like, they're so dark. Like Margot is like the audience. She's like the fourth wall break for how we actually feel about Dylan. And then everybody else's conversations about him. It's like she's been siloed and everyone's like, Shh, don't listen to Margot. Can I? He's a very special boy. Yes. Can I say my favorite Dylan moment uh, of the series is actually in this episode, and it quickly becomes my least favorite Dylan moment? So Dylan goes to the police, and in in the room with uh, Officer Layla or whatever, yeah. um, he's just like, I'd like to report a crime. 
Like he says it like a serial killer. It's just like like yeah. like every white guy who's ever you know had a kill list. And so yeah, and she's like, she's correcting him because he gets heated, and she and yeah. so Layla's like basically like he's like sorry, uh, Allison informed me of. Yeah this incident last night and it's like i loved i uh, i love the way he like backpedaled and like had to try and like fit a mold to be listened to by a cop sorry i mean allison informed me of her deceit last night but then quickly like as he starts losing it and yelling at her and like picks up her phone and hangs it up i'm like dylan you gotta know (laughs) As a straight white guy, like, yes, you can yell a little bit, but he's got to even know his limits, right? I mean, this is annoying. Nobody's ever gotten anything by yelling at a cop. Also, why, why can he, why does, why must he exclusively refer to having sex with Allison and or Lennon as fucking? She told me who she really was after she fucked me. Oh my God, he does say it. He yells it at her. Exclude after she fucked me, you fucked me. We we fucked. Yes. It's like, can you stop it? It's like hearing, it's like hearing a little kid say a swear word that makes you uncomfortable. It's not a funny thing to hear. It's a weird and uncomfortable thing to hear. It's fucking weird. I'll go get you a soda. No, I don't want a soda. We killed Lennon. We thought she was driving, but it was really Allison, and we hit her, the real Lennon. After I fucked her, and we we did ketamine. It's like, stop saying that. It's, it makes me start to be like, listen, you weird misogynist, enough. Like, choose a different verb. You know what? Actually, I said that that it quickly became my least favorite moment. Talking it back with you now, I'm like, oh, my God, this is Dylan Camp. I love it. Actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, Camp isn't real, but if it was, it was this. This. If it was, it yeah, was th- this. If, if Camp is real, it's Dylan yelling about ketamine and fucking her and putting her body in a cave. Honestly, you know what? <laughs> Writers, um, thank you for the scene. Thank you. I so yeah. I right. We go right from this to the party flashback, which I love because it's like uh, right back to just a murder montage where it's like yeah. because we're getting we're in Allison's perspective and she's like remembering the party. She's remembering hitting the gas, and yeah. uh, and it's just like her and Margot's scene with like the multiple T's. Uh huh. There's a moment when Margot's like. Oh, no, 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 no. This is before that. This is uh, Officer Layla then goes after being given the information from Dylan to go question Margot. And yeah. Margot is being really hard on Allison. And uh, and Officer Layla is like, well, depression will do that to you. And Margot's like, T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, T. okay, I think at this point it's like the third T in the episode or fourth. Or, and it's just like, I love, this is great. It's just peak this- Margot. The reason I think I think what I find most satisfying about this episode is it almost just feels like pure fan service. Mm-hmm. It feels like this episode is a greatest hits of I know what you did last summer in its concluding episode. We get we get the preposterous amount of teas. We get Dylan having a belligerent tone deaf freak out at a police officer. We get Dylan's OCD invoked again we get we, the cult brushed upon never elaborated upon we get may margo's mom who by the way is just a character that comes in for one or two lines here or there but like yeah is so annoying but in this episode is like intentionally annoying so i'm like oh the writers know what they're doing yeah like it, it feels like like it, it's like it's like they're finally winking at us completely in this episode like she shoes we layla get, we away get like posthumously unfollow up un- unfollowed upon questions clara had nothing to do with it what the fuck happened that night she found you in the cave? You wouldn't understand. We should go to the FBI. 
I love that when Layla's uh, questioning Margot, she brings up Layla fucking the police officer. She's like, oh, but yeah, but you were making eyes with Officer Blondie or whatever. And and it's just like, like as if that has anything to do with what's being asked. And as she like waves Layla away, she's like, let me know when you want to plan the Bachelorette. And I'm like, <laughs> straight people are insane because they would talk about a Bachelorette in a murder investigation. They are obsessed this, with the- marriage. The bipolarity of this episode is like to the me whiplash. that's that's the story of I know what you did yes. last summer the show yes, yes, and like yes. and we all, what do we also get we get we get Bruce being preposterously involved in police matters we get him insinuating he's just gonna go steal evidence oh because God. like he can walk into the police station and no one's gonna notice. I need the Bible. We'll see if the cops took it as evidence. Bruce, in this episode, Bruce is under the impression that he has superpowers. <laughs> yeah. Bruce is like on one. Yeah. I'm just like, can he do these things? <laughs> yeah, like, and just like, not even like, oh, this is going to be hard. I can't believe, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. He's like, I'll go to the police station and see if they took the Bible. It's like, you didn't even pause before you offered that to your crazy ex-wife. Also, the, his first offer, though, was like, I'll give you money. Mom's immediately like, I don't want money. I want the Bible. And it's like, well, yeah, when you're dressed like that, this woman doesn't want money. She comes from, <laughs> she comes from new money. Look at her. Right? She just bought that and hair. Speaking of things, she absolutely just bought that hair. <laughs> speaking of things that this episode does, like, ex- to the extreme, this, like, Margot is the most Margot she's ever been. And obviously, because most. we're going to get there. At this point, the- Margot is so Margot that Margot's commentating on Margot at this that's point. That's exactly we- it. We, we get, get her, her in the bed and she's like, maybe didn't Dylan, Dylan didn't do anything. And Allison's like, you have been saying this whole time that he did. And she's like, well, maybe I'm wrong. And then we fully get her being like, this requires psychology, Dylan. And that's not your specialty. And even her saying, I'm very good at psychology. Margot is commenting on Margot throughout this entire episode. Her hints are so telenovela. Like she's like, uh, cause they're talking <laughs> about killers being like being smart. And Margot's like, they usually are smarter the Unabomber went to Harvard and it's like, because she's calling herself smart. And then later yeah. she's just like, uh, I guess, you know, like, I guess you never know what's going on in the mind of a psychopath and like looks off beyond the camera and they just linger on her face. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love this. Dun, my, dun, dun. Like one of my single favorite lines in the entire season is when Allison is suddenly like Allison is now ready to throw Dylan under the bus because she out came out to him. This is who I am. I'm the real Allison. She knows that he's going to flip and go tell people. And she's like, shit. So she's trying to cover her tail by going to Margo and being like, it's so weird. He started like he showed up at my house and I didn't want to let him in. Then he started accusing me of being Allison. And Margo at first is on her side. But then when she gets reason to be suspicious, she's over at Allison's house in her room and she sees Dylan's used condom in the trash. Mm -hmm. And I love her saying outright to Allison. Are you sure nothing happened after I left last night? That would change his entire outlook on life. She had every chance to tell the truth. I was like, that's what this show gives you at any given moment. Somebody could flip their entire worldview and start acting like the direct oppositional reality of what we've been. And given. then have Margot call them sus. And no one else will react. Nope. T. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And on the. I've struggled myself. On the, the note about Margot, I just. This actress's performance is so fucking stellar because in this episode Brian, we get Brian Chu. We get props. I, I want to talk about 
the range because we get flashback yep. Margot, who's like, totally. I love you, Lemon, in the front seat, calling Lennon Lemon, which I love because I accidentally called her Lemon, but like also that's so cute. And, yeah, and so we get really long-haired cute. Margot in a very tender moment. We get Margot in the, like, are you sure kind of moment where yeah. she's, like, double-crossing. We get Margot in telenovela lines. But we also get Margot in, like, that heartbreaking moment when Dylan's like, hey, thanks for believing me. And she's like, I loved her, too. And it feels like, oh, my God, she fucking loved her. And this is all pre the high-tension ending. So it's like, oh, my God. This ki- this actress, Brienne Chu, I, she, but- she has been given, she has been asked throughout the show to whiplash to so many places and I am with her I'm like no matter what else is going on I believe what Brienne is telling me to believe right now and it's 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 actually an outstanding performance from beginning to end of this series everything she's asked to do I'll follow her to whatever she does next. Um, I hope that I direct something next that I can cast her in because I think she is so fucking talented because the fact that she's able to make me tear up and give me Catherine Trammell in the same episode, it's like, what? I'm just, she to me has been the standout. Like, I think there are actually a ton of great performances in the show, which is one of the the things that anchors it. But she is the, to me, this is her best actor episode. Like, I'm just like, fuck the range. I... It is, and and I think I think Madison Eisman has been a great compliment. To yes, her on I agree. The two of them have the best chemistry. Because Margot Margot does have the Brienne does have like it seems like the the fun sort of luxury of being being the kind of she's she's at times not like comic relief, but she is a bit more of an exaggerated character. And there's 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 scenery to chew on. And Madison Eisman I think does a really good job of effectively being the straight man against Margot. And both of them, though, always feel really dynamic. Well, because they Neither both have moments them... that feel heartbreaking. Like they, they I, both. Madison do... Eisman has impressed me over and over. I think perhaps one of our great crying actresses yeah. of the moment. You know what? Yeah. Madison Eisman's cry acting is tremendous. You're right. And and the fact that we can always tell who's who in the scene, like based on how she's acting, because she does act Allison and Lennon differently, and she acts yes. Allison as Lennon differently. Like, yes. I mean, that the fact that she gave so much dimension and she's a blonde white actress in her 20s is Honestly. It's, it's, it's so much more than she had to do because all she really had to do was show up to the audition and be that pretty. But like she did. She she's like, I'm going to act the shit out of this part. And I want to say and not to and this is not to knock anybody else out there who's not. But some we have seen actors do less. We've seen actors do less in this series. But like, <laughs> yeah, I, that's the thing. We we have we have foils alongside which to set these people. Which is why it's so stunning earlier in the show when nobody can recognize that they've changed. But I love that mom walks up and she's <laughs> yes. like, "I thought you were dead," and she's like, "I thought you were dead." <laughs> that that is a that was I I think that's one of the show's like cleverest moments. I agree. When it it there's not there's not a instant like this horrible bitch of a mother who takes only every second on screen with her daughter to make her feel worse what what did i what did i do wrong why why do you hate me just so much i told you you need to move on are you are you fucking kidding me in that moment doesn't hesitate and knows exactly who she's looking at Allison? She only, like, it's practically a glancing blow. And just Allison, and you're like, wow, she does know her, though. The fact that she knows her, it fucking levels 
it like yeah. emotionally I felt leveled because it was like, yeah. okay, I know that this mom was very one dimensional in the scene where they talk about money and Bibles. But in this moment, yeah. she's immediately <laughs> clocking her child because they were that close. But also the mm-hmm. coldness in which she immediately is like, move on, bitch. Like, move. I mean, move move, she on, literally bitch. says move on. Move on. I mean, it's like I could not. I was stunned. And then you're like, wow, these people could not be more any more different. Like you are. I was literally thinking like they could not be any more different. And then she's like how can you pretend to be dead? And she's like, how can you? How can and I'm like, oh my God, they're the same. Ah, this is so good. That was, and, and <laughs> I, 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 much like in, in, in being very impressed by the scene where Bruce writes, where dictates the suicide, the, the runaway yes. note of, oh of, of quote unquote, Allison. Such an impressive scene. And being really impressed by how those two actors played in that scene with Bruce and Allison. Allison and mom, both involved in cry acting from Madison Eisman, watching her be like, why did you, why did you hate me? Why did you hate me so much? And having her mom's answer be like, I remember you used to read us stories and you would lay in bed with me when I was scared. You were always too much like him. I was like you. Everyone told me. No, you both always had something wrong inside of you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my God, like, you're right, Jordan. We started this yes. with... Allison, we started this with the immediate recognition of her progeny. And then we get, you need to move on. And then we get, there was always something broken in you. And it was like, and she doesn't even say it with any contempt. She just says it with a straight Mom's the one character who I wanted to see dead. I mean, really. It's like, wow, (laughs) everybody else had to die. this show said, so do we. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck, I mean, absolutely fuck her. I mean, I'm going to be real. I don't want a season two of this. I want a different storyline with a different I know what you did because I'm, I'm ready to move on. The show's not. But I feel like they would if they did a season two, it would have mom a lot. And I don't need more mom. The only reason the only reason I would want to stay with this one is just to just to see Riley be alive again. Right. I, I hear and, you. And then like it give me a backdoor pilot into season two where it's just like we see Riley and then it kicks over to the next mystery. Yeah. Like, okay. Oh, my God. That's all you I want what? is to just see Riley talking yeah just again. give me that that's enough and i i wanted before obviously because there's a lot to unpack at the ending and we have to do it all we have to do it fucking all <laughs> I, I i do want to say they set up lennon so well uh yeah because oh. there's this moment um like there's a there's a lot it, i feel like the episode honestly drags a little bit right before the big climax because it's like mm-hmm, i okay. think they're doing a lot of work to set up a second season or at least like give us enough tendril. So it's like, it gets a little dull, but one of the great mm-hmm. moments is Allison flashes back like to the party. We get, you know, the forever party. Yeah. The forever the, party, the, party the, the, the most consequential party that's happened in the history of humanity. Oh my God. Do you know what I want to do for movie night? I want to take, I want to do just an edit of the party in chronological order. I want to download <laughs> the entire series and see how long this fucking party is. If we just stacked oh every God. scene, like how long were yeah. they there before she left? I just want to see it all. <laughs> In order, what does it look like going from like sleeping with him in front of the thing for OnlyFans, but after they've had their OnlyFans video, but later when she says, I wish you were dead. I mean, like where we would see where we would see Allison and um, L- L- Lennon go into the bathroom from every conceivable angle and perspective, every, <laughs> every perspective. I want all of it. I want it. I'm going to do it. Release the the party forever party, party cut. cut. Yeah. Yeah, re- release, release the forever the party, party cut. cut. I <laughs> she says specifically that she wishes she she says 
with her whole heart. Because in this scene, we've seen them very. With her fucking chest, she says We have it. seen them very tender in this exact scene, but in different episodes. So to see yeah. her go from very tender to the absolute truth. This actor is selling it. Like when she says yes. that she wishes her sister was dead and she clarifies. Well, I will be soon. Not gone to Michigan. Gone fucking dead and gone. And it's like, fuck me. And then, wow. Hit that gas, baby. I mean, it, and, and that's why I actually, I think in the hands of lesser skilled writers, this ending would have been fumbling the ball. But instead, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by giving us that one tiny moment just before a scene that's about to be ape shit, it actually yeah. makes you question during that entire scene what's going to happen. Like, there is no way to know how it's going to end because it's like, well, we did just get that flashback, but so she's not totally. I mean, it, 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 it actually makes something that I've seen done in other places mm. to a lesser degree. It makes this stand out from the pack. And it, to me, it, it. I, what I love so much about that moment specifically and, and leading to that, like, like basically suicide pact that we see in that yeah. moment. And it's the like twin it's psycho death when, yeah. when Lennon hears Allison really say that, it really feels like her one reason for living was her sister. Mm. And then when she didn't have that, fuck it. Like, she had been self-harming. She had been pushing herself to the brink. She had talked about, like, you know, wishing she herself was dead. And then to have Allison in that moment take away her one person that she, even if in the most toxic and fucked up ways, cared for and that wasn't good enough, to, to have that revoked from her... There were a lot of things that could have pushed Lennon over the edge, but it was that thing that night that was like, I don't need to be here anymore if if you if you don't even want me here anymore. And that just broke my little heart. I love that. I love that perspective because I hadn't even thought about it. And then just like fucking running at the car. Oh my God, that was savage. The That was like, those writers were like, we're not... We're not pulling this punch. I need, I need these writers to get three more TV shows. I know. I, I, I want this. I'm so into this. I think because it, it kind of speaks to like you talk about the erotic thriller and wanting that back and, and what that would look like in a 2021 lens. And I looking at this, this captures a little bit of that like. I think you're that right. Polish, like this polishes that old trope. I mean, this isn't an erotic yeah. thriller, but it is an erotic thriller this this final episode is an erotic thriller yes and it i think that's a really excellent point of like i think this does provide this and and, and the voyeurs everybody go watch the voyeurs um i think like you look at this episode of tv and you look at the voyeurs from last year and i think we have two really compelling examples of what a 2020s erotic thriller can look like that like I think polishes is that perfect word because we like it's still like these are still trash. Yes. Like these things are trash. And they should this is be. salacious. And they should be. You can be trashy and kind of tasteless without being regressive. Thank you. Like you can still exist within the mores of the moment and have this kind of fun. Yes. And we can have we can have queer villains. Because we, we're getting more queer heroes. Yes. 
that is that is the call for the future I want to answer. It's like it's like watching Yellow Jackets and knowing that there are multiple non-binary actors in that ensemble. And so feeling like this isn't just some scarcity of options where you have one ornamental non-binary individual in the cast. There's multiple people there, which allows for room of like a queer character can die in got, Yellow Jackets. And I know what you did last summer. And you can still have queer actors and characters on the screen. It's not just one token. Because out of the six main character, the main kids, the six main kids, four of them are queer. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that is stunning. I mean, that is the I know what you did last summer I always wanted. And to see bisexuality um, represented totally. in, in such a beautiful way, just because it's like bisexuality is always like it's the untru- it's the one untrustworthy character who comes and betrays everybody. But like, I honestly <laughs> feel like this, even in the case of the villains, the love is set up so well yeah. that it's like, cool. I'm glad I see people with options. It's like I yeah. we get different kinds of queer representation in the same episode. It does in the same series. We It doesn't just subscribe to a binary. Yeah, and it it really, I think this show is such an interesting microcosm in how having a reaction to Johnny dying so soon and then being able to be relieved as time goes on to know that, oh my God, wait, we didn't just, we didn't just bury the gay. Right. There's, there's more gays. There's more gays. And nobody's going to, nobody's making a fuss out of it and nobody... It's not a plot point. It's not a plot point. I I always, I I walk on eggshells when talking about this specifically, because I hear a lot of queer directors say like, I just want to make queer content that isn't about being gay. And it's like, yes, I agree with you, but also I need it to be in there to a certain degree, but I don't want it to be the, I don't want the plot point being coming out. I don't want the plot point being abuse. I don't want the plot point to be the discovery of identity. Like, it's like, we have, we have plenty of that available and yeah. i know what you did last summer it's queer without being about being queer like every minute of yeah. it is queer but it's not <laughs> yeah. about being queer do you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah that is that's what i love i think that the as you'd called it in the episode one of this you were talking about the ambient queerness of the show and i think that the, i will say it's safe to say the show made good on its promise so on that note i completely agree can we move into this finale because holy shit this fucking finale. And and let's just say right before this finale, it sets up with a confrontation, a the most Dylan Island confrontation oh possible. Yes. Where he comes into Allison's house, I think through a window. Gotta be. What the fuck, Dylan? You should fix the locks on your windows. You need to leave. And like walks up to her from I think through her room and starts walking down the hallway to like meet her in the common space. So she has a knife. Because she's like, well, that's a home invader. And also, are you out of your fucking mind? And he's just, like, staring at her with no life in his eyes. And it's like, this is a death scene. Like, this is a murder. Someone's got to get stabbed, and it's got to be Dylan. And he's mad at her, and she's mad at him. Then she takes a call. She's, like, holding a knife to this guy's chest. And then she gets a call, and it's like, hey, hello? It's like, you just turned your back on the guy you had a knife held up to. And then it's Marco with the distress call immediately Margot with the distress call and she's like we better go help her well because Margot and he's like Margot's like I need you and Dylan here now and it's yeah, like I was wrong about I everything. was wrong about everything and so she takes that immediately as oh I guess Dylan isn't the killer because Margot knows who it is I love that it's it's very like well 
this is over. And he and she just like she goes from holding a knife, sure this person's going going to kill to her, off the hook, to completely. being like we've got to go to Margot. And he's like she's at Clara's, and she's like how do you know? And he just goes we better go yet again. Doesn't no follow doesn't up. Doesn't even bother. No follow we up. We gotta go. No, like why? But why? Why would you know that? Walk and talk. Why? Hey, we've got to drive. Exactly. I, GPS says nine minutes. How did you know about Clara? <laughs> how did you, uh, what? How did you know? They get they get to the they get they to get Clara's to Jurassic. To be clear, the, they get to Jurassic Park. The vines. They get to Jurassic it's Park. It's wet. It's blue. They're in the bottom. Of, they're they're twenty five feet down. Like it's like oh my god. They look like either if you ever look up like old dilapidated Soviet architecture sprinkled throughout <laughs> the Eastern Bloc that's decaying. It looks like this I don't know aquarium that they go into underground on Clara's compound. The stone room for some reason. It's called it's called the stone room, and and Dylan knows that. And they get in there, and they suddenly trust each other completely. And then they walk in and find we're like, what's gonna happen with mom? Mom needs a Bible. What's the Bible? We mom's been introduced as a plot point. Boom. Guess what? Mom's off the board. Remember that season two pin? Wow. Guess mom was just there to deliver the information. <laughs> it is the one of, to me, one of the most hysterical moments in the entire I, season. I gotta be honest. I was watching with my with my uh, my boyfriend, and I was just like, "Thank God!" Like that happened. It was like, "Okay, you know what? The writers are I on my it. side." Because sometimes I'm like, "They're on my they, side." The writers feel what I feel. I I do know <laughs> that they they the the writers know, and they're in control. Okay, cool. I think you're completely right. And then and then the moment like Dylan's like, "I'm so sorry," and they're hugging. I'm like. You're hugging now? I thought you were going to put a knife in his belly. You're now. Girl. You're hug. You, a moment ago, you this morning were telling, vulgarly telling the sheriff how she was an identity fraudulent whore murderer liar. And now you're like hugging Dylan her. Dylan Island, baby. In dilapidated Dylan Soviet Island. stone room. So when she comes across Margot's, you know, crumpled bloody body. And Margo's like, Incredible. and she and she asks Margo, she's like shaking Margo, who did this to you? Margo looks up and says, you, you did. did. Straight up thriller from 1997 moment. I was moment. screaming. This is, this is, you this did. is the, like the erotic thriller that I yep. want. This is the this single is the female vibes This that is I the need. roommate. I mean, it, it yep. really is. This is like, this is basic instinct. This is that. You did moment. I I was just I and yet again a brilliant turn from Brienne Chu. And Allison's like the diversity of this actor. I just oh my god, <laughs> Allison. And, this back and this emotional tete a tete. I'm thriving. This scene feels now to me very much, and I brought this up more than once this episode. But it feels very high tension, especially because the the imagery of being covered with I, blood, I'm with you. the yeah. finding her and finding out, and then the reveal and the flipping on its head. Um, it does one thing that stands out differently because she says, uh, "No one's like Allison says, no one's ever loved me like that." Yeah, and she says, "No one loves me either, bitch." And I was like. Yes, but also no one's no one loves well, and the no one's ever loved me like that stems from she is referring directly back to the night of the the night of the the murder the the suicide murder when she realizes it's her sister on the ground and Margot comes up to her and holds her head in her hands and says we're gonna fix right. this it's gonna be okay I'm right here 
And that's that's the moment Allison's like, no one's ever loved me like that before. And that's yeah. why this is a again giving credit to the writers. This is a great moment because you get two things from it. You get her revealing like, is she pleading to the killer because she just wants to like leave with her life? Because Margot has at this yeah. point revealed that she's the killer, um, and she's yeah. doing yeah. this because because she's given she's in her supervillain moment where she's ex where she is laying out the she's plan. She's telling you all of it because. Yeah, she's like, make it look like I did all of it. That was the original plan. And it would have worked. But then I realized I can't rest knowing you're out there making people like me feel crazy. Yep. Hey, I, I you got a minute? Yeah. Because I got some things <laughs> well, to say. Well, you bleed out on the ground? Yeah, I know, I know we're in a hurry, but um, just let me let you know. I was in love with Lennon. Yeah. And you took her life. So, and then you let everybody else die because you're a selfish bitch. So I yeah. am going to delight in killing you. But then I love yeah. that Allison in, in, in seeming like in a high tension kind of like pleading, which is like, because in high tension with the most homophobic ending of the two thousands in a queer yeah. horror film, uh, you know, it's just like, she's pleading with a killer, like to, to manipulate her into letting her go. But in this case, it's like, Oh, she must be just manipulating to let her go. And it's like, no one's ever loved me like that. But the truth in which she says it, you're like, holy shit, no one has ever loved Allison like that. And we've met her mom, so we know. The, spe the, specificity, the specificity of that detail is like, you. this is something you thought about. And to like, this is something where you where like, you know, you know in that moment, you feel in that moment that Allison had a conversation with herself where she was like, fuck, has anyone ever done anything it's like that It's like, she says it like her body woke up. Do I love Margot? And it's yeah. like, the way that, but that's what I'm talking about with the writing, because the way that Margot yeah. responds with, no one loves totally. me either, bitch, makes, no the, one loves me it either, immediately bitch. diverts you from that path of thinking, because you're sitting there thinking about it, and then they're like, nope, here's comedy, and it's camp, and here's the killer. It's like, it's so clever, because it keeps the entire moment feeling fresh by constantly the you talked about the bipolarity of this episode by constantly pulling you in a different direction and that's why it's so well written and we get that and, and allison madison eisman again death acting also great oh like the little short breaths and the oh god she's 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 fucking amazing and she gives that like the no one loves me either bitch and allison gives and she's like i am and this whole time i am lennon i am lennon i am lennon mm -hmm. and she tells she's like you know you're just trying to save yourself I, I know it looks like that, but I, I, sw I swear, I, I just want to help you the way that you help me. I want to protect you like you protected me. And Brianne Chu gives this incredible, like, crazed villain moment. She just, like, half turns her head. She's been sobbing and just goes, I just fucking stabbed you. Like, I just fucking stabbed you. I just fucking stabbed you. Like, are you expecting me to believe that? I just fucking stabbed you. Are you kidding me right now? It is a, it is the tonal, the balance in this scene is is truly perfect. It is phenomenal. It is perfect. We don't get a lot of well-written female killers. I'm going to be honest. You know, I mean, like there are, a, there are a rare few. I feel like, I feel like Sleepaway Camp 2 did a good job with a female killer. Mm -hmm. I think Hello Mary Lou did a good job with a female killer. I think um, Urban Legend, the first one, did a good job with a female killer. I... To me personally, I think she tops all of them in this scene. She's amazing. I just because it's like I'm I'm like I'm not just like yes like she, because I'm my mood. I'm feeling what she's feeling and enjoying what she's saying. It's like oh my god, I didn't have to pick one. I get to yeah. enjoy how campy this is and feel something. Are you kidding me? 
I really started to believe it when I was at Hoffman. I thought maybe I was wrong. And you really were her. You really loved me. I absolutely Or I shouldn't say campy. I want to say pulpy. That's the word. Pulpy. I'm enjoying how pulpy this is and feeling something. I I love that they give her I love the moment where they give her the line uh Margo when she says like she basically is duty bound to kill her so she stops so she can never make someone like her feel crazy ever again like I it is a public service for me to kill you because there are people like me out there you're gonna keep terrorizing yes. and I can't let I'm not you gonna let you that. gaslight anybody else ever again like yeah fuck thank you though actually because I'm kind of on your side and it, and it just like and 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 Madison Eisman is and the to the show's credit and, and Madison Eisman in that moment is making you be like I honestly was like wait fuck is she Lennon though I like, was wondering too I do love you what I, did you pick Dylan I didn't you're the one I always came back to ever since I'm Wait a minute, wait a minute. I was, I'm questioning until they give us like the forensic Which, detailed evidence. Yes. Amazing note, but, amazing note to include. And the switching of the photos, really good well, job, Bruce. Yeah, the, before, because let's talk about that in a second because I want to talk about that with the season two stuff that I think. Because right. I, because before, because what I love about this ending is that Dylan is totally forsaken in a moment when I didn't think he would be. For so Sagan. in in the big moment when the cops are there and it's like who did it and and Brie and Bri- and Margot clocks it she realizes there's somebody coming into the room and she's like, oh my god he's gonna kill me another amazing turn amazing because like she didn't have to at this point she could have just no. she could have actually been okay she would have been off the hook everything would have been fine the killer would have been revealed yeah. and they would have been okay yeah instead she's like I'm gonna frame Dylan and mm-hmm. I'm gonna be with Margot I'm gonna bait. I'm going to bait Allison right it now. It actually goes with uh, with something she says earlier. Because Margot, in her big reveal, because Margot did start to fall for Allison. She admits it. She's like, you know, I, I, I she started to like her too. She's like, well, then why did you pick Dylan? And yeah. Margot, because Margot brings it the fuck Mar- up. And she's mapped this entire time. Like, I knew from the time your selfies were totally whack that you weren't her. Why did you pick, so she, why did you pick Dylan? It's been more than a year. And Allison says to her, I didn't. And the truth in which she says it, the follow through of this scene, you, she fucking you didn't know me. Dylan. You know me, and I'm sure you can estimate how laid low I was when Allison gives the line, "You were the one that I always came back to." Yes. I was like, "You motherfuckers I, have me in your hands, you bitches." The invisible I string. Am- I am, I am, you know, you've got me, you're pulling me along all the way and I'm with you. Fuck you guys. I love it because. Representation matters. Yes. To me, (laughs) to me, the I didn't moment is on par with like, you did this. You did. Like they both have these, it's basically the actors themselves because this, they both take this material and they do so much in those moments. But my God, I felt for both of them. And I'm like. You know what? I like I this. And also, after a season of hating Dylan because the show has been insisting that he's better than he is, it's kind of fun to see him get the shit end of the stick. It's like, oh, Dylan's going to yeah. get locked up. What are you going to do with it, Mr. Anti-Gun Lobby? Give me your fucking phone. 
I mean, honestly, the world's probably a safer place. And it's so Dylan that, like, he's mad for 15 seconds and then he zens out and becomes, like, a burgeoning cult leader. Oh, he's immediately, he's immediately called the cult. He's like, hey, can I have my card back? Yeah. He's like, um, I actually stole that Bible and I'm going to start proselytizing to the inmates in the jail that we're all in. Yeah. I, God, Dylan. Ultimately, because he gets, he gets his, there's no redemption in there's this no life. Redemption and it's like, okay, have life. fun in prison, buddy. Multiple, alleged multiple murderer Dylan. Goodbye. When they're in the ambulance, the there's some brilliant oh my God. directing. Just in this when scene. you think they've maxed out in the dank room in Clara's you're compound like, in Jurassic Park, they give you the ambulance. Your nerves are fried. You're like, I have no more adrenaline left to pump. I don't care. I can't care. Well, guess what? That's when Margot has her her finger guess wrapped what? You're around pull me deeper under is what whatever's you're do. in that IV keeping her alive. We put or oxygen on her face or whatever. Margot's wrapped around yeah. it, and you're like, oh. Margot doesn't – Margot's not even okay. She just, like, saved Margot, and Margot still doesn't give a fuck. And Margot's like, You know what I did. And you chose me. What the fuck is wrong with you? And she, like, squeezes what it a little bit. And I, my heart fucking turned because I have made that – The recognition of the queer villain in that moment – That moment – of their egregious villainy yes. and being like, you're sicker than I am. I don't care Jeez. what your name is. I have never loved anyone more in my life. I, I was like, the all the turn. while, she has she has Allison's oxygen tube just curled so around I, her finger. Even I, who was like predicting a lot of this stuff with Margot, in that moment, I thought she was absolutely going to kill Allison and then walk away unscathed. I did. I really did. I, I so did. Like, that, like, I hate you for making me do this. Like, there can't be any survivors. There can't be any witnesses. How a, you know too much. And I'm going to say that's how a straight person would have written it. I'm not, I Look, I don't know. I'm speculating. I don't know that the writers are queer, but some, there's a queer person in there. Oh, my because God. Because this, this ending loves queerness. And, and the way that it is, and the way that it is framed, too, getting those, like, getting Allison POV, basically. Yes. I, I thought that was yes. so smart. Like, let me do this. I'm going to look to camera, and the camera is your eyes, and I could snuff your life out right now, yes. but what I'm going to tell you instead is... I don't care what your name is. I have never loved anyone more in my life. It's like, this is so erotic and amazing. it's it's <laughs> gripping it's emotional it's erotic it's also like strangely also- their love i don't want to say their love is platonic because it's not platonic because they have been intimate but it's like it does feel strangely like their bond is beyond romantic there yeah. is something so deep- yeah it feels like what it becomes like like star-crossed almost yeah. in that and moment. it's believable that's the thing and this is this goes back to i think in the hands of other writers they could have fumbled this and it's not. They stuck this fucking landing. And so but. when they're like hauling Dylan away and we talk about the mom's ADR and she's like, but my son's so sensitive. He wouldn't hurt a fly and all that bullshit. Um, I. And we completely gloss over the fact that there's a scene of Dylan dissecting oh an oh animal in this and, and performing like surgery. Yes. He pulls out a tiny. The 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 props to the prop props to the prop department for making the most true to life anatomically correct looking tiny animal brain tiny an- that he then feeds to the arctic spiders. well because you have to immediately clock that that's what it is 
You're like, oh, yeah, because yeah. I, I saw that in another episode, too. I, yeah. By the way, I'm always so quick to skip over Dylan. I'm just like, eh, fuck it. Okay. Yeah, he's like, he's like a, he's like an eternal sunshine void. You just like lose I looked him. at his IMDb because I was like, what else has this guy done? And it was like a lot of student films. And I'm like, okay, yeah. this was a big move, Dylan, <laughs> to get this whole island. I see you coming up on move. this. Good job, Sarah Goodman. <laughs> get your son in this thing. Okay. It is, it is, I, I am so grateful to this show for ending, ending it with him in prison. I, what, a, I mean, truly what a moment. This is where I think it's good because they do reveal the photo thing. So there's the photo swap here. And all I could think was, because I know the photo swap is to let us know that it really is Allison, which we need. We need yeah. that kind of closure in this. It's like, it is Allison. It's not Lennon. Because they've been playing with it Especially in the last Especially with how scene. convincing Madison Eisman is in that closing yes. stretch. You're like, she no, I'm actually like confused Lennon now. in that closing stretch. I needed forensic confirmation, actually. And, and while, while we get it, we kind of don't, though. Because the guy's like, hey, I, uh, I can confirm this because I saw a photograph and she had a closed up piercing in her ear. And so did the body. And then yeah. we see, like, we cut to dad switching their graduation pictures, which we've already joked in an earlier episode is just them facing a different direction. Yes. And he switches them because the frames have their names on the wood of the frame. Okay, look. Yeah. If the, yes, you can switch those frames, but the odds of that cop looking at those pictures and deciding that that was the evidence it and not her social media, so the ample amount of evidence that is available electronically is shocking. Here's the thing that Bruce knows, though. These cops, terrible at their jobs. <laughs> okay, fair. He knows, knows this precinct better than anybody because he's the chief of police. You're right. He knows that these people, and I love that in the end, this show knows that it would be totally unbelievable for any of these officers to have done their jobs. When this show is done, they have solved nothing. They have accomplished nothing. They have discovered nothing. They have been chasing their tails the entire season. Layla just shows up. But I will add, by hinging... All of this on the pierced ear moment. It's such an easily undoable moment that if they were to do a season two and were to like, and they, they could play with questioning whether sure. or not it's Lennon or Allison later. Like, I feel like this is solid enough forensic evidence to believe it for this season show. one. I wouldn't put it past this show to Because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, the show's giving us something that is solid enough to close a season, but also could be credibly discredited in another season. At the same time, when they start pushing in, they show Riley in a, in a freezer, like cryogenically frozen or whatever, which, by the way, what's she doing in there? Uh, with the honey still on her? How did they keep the honey on her? Unbelievable. I fucking we, knew. We zoom in on the preserved Riley corpse that is... We zoom in twice. In our final zoom, and we presume... We, on, the, on the preserved Riley corpse covered in gorgeous honey. Because you're like, she's going to open her eyes, isn't she? You're thinking it. You're thinking, you're thinking it. it. And, and then... then they, they fucking give it to you. And we've seen other movies that don't, right? But this ending, they give it to us. And the crazy thing is, then that's implying that there is an actual... So season one is super grounded, very real. This is all happening. Season two, supernatural. And it... I... I And I... <clears throat> again, it feels like this episode was fan service. And I feel like one of those... The writers know what we're thinking. Like, that when they give us Riley back... They're like, you're right. She was underserved. You're right. Yes, you're she right. She wasn't done. We're going to give you more. You're right. She shouldn't have gone out like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay. Like, you are you watch Johnny die. You're like, wait, what have you done? And you're like, oh, there's more gay people here. You're like, wait, what the, 
right this is how riley's last episode is so unjust and awful it is terrible it is unjust it's not it's 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 the thing i'm angriest about in the show and that is looking at even including mom so it's like no riley riley (laughs) did not get the ending she deserved and so they're making a promise that i appreciate yeah i i you know circumstances beyond their control i don't think they're going to get to fulfill it but that they know that they know they needed that they needed to make that promise that carries a lot of weight with me. What is playing over this is this narration that absolutely is like the opposite because she says something like there's no coming back. It's just done. And like the eyes are open. It's like, I love this shit. I love this shit. It's giving us full New Year's Eve narration. Like, like Allison is just rambling about like platitudes and like, it just things that are just like the opening. She is just giving us general, like life is a box of chocolates kind of thing. And it's like, (laughs) I, I love it. You know what? Sure. Well, and, and it's important. It's important to say that the the cut in, in back and forth with the Riley in the Zoom and Dylan in prison is Allison standing out on a bluff in a white dress, yep. like looking out like over the vast hero. expanse of the ocean. The innocence and Margot walking up to her, also dressed in white, and then also dressed in white, matching whites, and we get a close up on Margot, one of those great close ups on Margot, and she just says, "Never leave me, okay." And we then we get the return shot from Allison saying, "Never." The show is saying it's a happy off, ending. They walk off holding hands, cute as hell. She's beautiful, like, Allison's like scene. leaning her head into Margot. Margot's leaning her head back. There's not a storm in sight. Nope, no cloudy days. This is a sunny day. No cloudy days. There's lemonade in the car. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the storm has the storm has passed. There's money in their wallet. Yep. You know what I mean? Like. This is this moment. They're just so comfortable. They're they are the lesbians that we wanted the whole time or the queer women yep. that we wanted the whole time. I love it. And as as uh, as uh, Madison Eisman says in her IG caption of the two of them in these outfits, presumably from that day on set. The love story of the century. Love story of the century. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. I agreed. I do have to say, in her rambling, though, she does say one thing that really resonated with me. She, that I actually, I had to write it down because she goes, I'll, I'm sure you think I'm a terrible person. And then uh, that you would have done it all differently. I thought so too. And what I like is that by taking us through her whole story, it's like, actually, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying I would do everything exactly like her, but they, the writers have done a good enough job that I believe that this character did this. And 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 went through a transformation, and they're pointing to it. They're like, "Hey, we did our homework." Another, and I I'm with you on that. And I think another a perfect thing about this closing this this little epilogue that Allison delivers is that it it, it so encapsulates the show when she says so plainly, so matter of factly that you hear stories like this all the time. Yes, Allison. No, we don't. <laughs> We do not hear about stories all the time uh, about a ho- half of a high school graduating class getting picked off by a serial killer. Like, define like this. In a sleepy little town. Like, these are these are stories that you do things like base the Texas Chainsaw Massacre off of. These aren't stories that we hear all the time. But in true... You hear stories about friends covered in honey who open their eyes after being in a cave and a freezer all the time. All the time. All the time. At what small town does not have an entire community of people that committed suicide 
in a sea cave and then got swept away into the ocean. What tiny town doesn't have that? The, this shows earnest presentation of, of that sincere belief. Amazing. It, it is the foundation on which you could make a show with the audacity of I know you did last summer because you can say, you heard those kind of stories all the time. I. Allison. I, I love it. Because I was just like, oh, Allison listens to true crime crime podcasts. Because <laughs> like, you know what? Yeah. Whenever I listen to a true pi- so crime poda- podcast, I'm always like, wow, normal people like do this a lot. <laughs> That's shocking. You know? So it's like, I feel shocking. like she just turned off my favorite murder and was like, oh, I got to talk to the camera. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and was like, and like, time. definitely like, maybe she would have made different choices before she got really lost in the true crime universe. And then she became a different person. And that influenced the choices that she made coming back to Hawaii. Because to her, things like this happen all the time. And you just do your best. You just do your best. You would have too, she says. <laughs> I mean, Marco is convincing. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, and also gorgeous. So, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> then comes. In my opinion, oh, in this is God, the highlight glorious. of the season. Glorious. And now, when Wild Things does this, they actually show us all the scenes, and I wish we could have seen it. But I will say, yeah. for the budget of this show, I'm sure this is the most they could do. And it didn't matter, because I wasn't mm-hmm. even thinking at the time that I wanted to see it. I went back and watched no. this three times. I love... So Margot sits in front of the camera and says... We get the credits just barely credits start, start rolling. rolling. We get a couple so names, the show's over. And then... And then surprise, Surprise. Margo's like, hey, I'm going to explain everything because I love you, BB. This is a very private story time because I want to share everything with my BB. Yeah, because because she wants to share everything with her. And I, I'm like, I believe that. I absolutely believe that. Yeah, yeah. And so. Worse than all, there's that amazing moment earlier on in the episode where Allison is like, can't. I, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm capable of. Yep. And Margot looks at her and she's trying to coax confession out of her, but she's also in that duality moment of of actually being in love with this person and being really conflicted. Yeah. And she's like, try me. I haven't ran away yet. Try me. And this is that moment where they've tried each other. They have tried each other. And now she's like, warts and all, I can tell you anything, girl. And what I love about this is the writers are really just like looking at their nails like, aren't they perfect? Like, <laughs> this is a flawless job. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yes. oh, wow, yeah, that is, you did that manicure at home. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. wow, yeah. okay. Because they give you, and I, I, I did list them out because we should just, we need to address every bullet point. Yep. So she she ta- she says, this is how I did it, folks. And she's got her magic hat and she pulls the rabbit out. She gets two villain exposition monologues. She does this twice and both times are just as compelling. Yeah. And it's new information each time. Could have been enough. What she told us before could have been enough. And oh, I love that the absolutely. show is like, and this is this brings it back to the aughts of it all. In true aught spirit, there is extra on extra. Extra the on extra. Excess, the, it, this, this show is like, did you want more? We're going to give you more. <laughs> this, this give me, show, give me more. Give me, give me more. This show is so, while being so 2021, it's also so 2007. I'm just like, wow. wow. It is. And that's why it's so much fun. I love it. And so point number one, she says right after Allison died, she took her phone. And she's like, because like Riley was going to steal it or whatever. Yeah, in case like, Riley oh. was going to steal it. I just felt like in this moment, it's like, why Why are they always making jokes about Riley stealing things when Riley's the only person with a business? Like Riley. It was also, it was, it's very much like Margot in her mansion judging the pores. 
Yes, I, I, but to, I, I just, I, it's, this is not the first time the show has made a joke like that oh, about no. Riley. And no, that's why no, I'm no. like, okay, guys, come on. Riley, we, we, I just don't believe it because Riley's like self-sufficient. She's out there. She's like, hey, by the way, I got three different kinds of like drugs right now. And also Prozac if you need an antidepressant. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, she's got a fully stocked pharmacy. So, she you does. know, pharmacist Riley anyways. So would have stolen this phone. Um, and so she sent the messages on a timer. That's how we got the text. I just used an app to send all the messages on a timer. Point number two. I told Dale that the goat head thing was a practical joke you'd totally die over. The douchebag put it in the closet, but then he couldn't keep his fucking mouth shut. Which is actually a really fun reveal that the bloody goat head in episode one, she talked Dale into doing it. And the reason- I love that it's like, I told it, like, I convinced him you'd think it was hilarious. And you know what? Dumb Dale, dumb hot Dale. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Was exactly what you said about Dale earlier. That Dale would be showing everybody everything on his phone. He'd be like, "Did you see this?" Yes. Like every post from that OnlyFans, everybody would know about it because Dale wouldn't be able to keep his mouth shut. Yeah, and she said, "Can't keep his mouth shut," and he was basically extorting her, which is illegal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and she also yes. drops that very. I paid him from our OnlyFans. Yes, that's right, because she was paying him in Bitcoin, Bitcoin from the OnlyFans. Our OnlyFans, right? Because. That which brings up one of the points in a second, which is that off Officer Doug followed the trail of Bitcoin to Dale, which is why she had to text him and say, Meet me at the funeral, which is why he had to die. Sorry about Harold. He just happened to be constipated. He just happened to be constipated. Yeah. I loved it. It's like, sorry. And by the way, I needed the apology for Harold. So thank you, Margot. I did too. Again, show. Thank you. But also, like, what a way to make a bullet point of joke. Love it. Like, yeah. what a plant and payoff. Um, one that we skipped, Kyle walked in on, so Kyle, her bodyguard, she's like, oh, I hike. He couldn't have done it without Kyle. He walked in on the whole Johnny mess and I totally freaked and threatened to tell my mom he was fucking my dad. But turned out he was cool. I mean, he even pushed me out of the window. He said that's what he was there for, to keep me out of trouble. It's my job to make sure you stay out of trouble. Yes. And I, I, you know what? I believe it. Based on everything we saw about that character, yep, I get it. She's like, he even threw me through a window, which I love that it's like Let's throw a favor. some more gays in here. Yeah. Another, there's another one. Yeah. He even threw me through a window. What a nice guy. Like that was a huge favor on his part. <laughs> I love that in her reasoning, she clocks that. Um, Allison as Lennon kissed kissed her and ghosted her, which threw her into like this frenzy where she's just like, yeah. And then Riley called her a psycho. So she's like, so I had to run her over with my car. Crime of passion. Crime of straight up crime of passion. I honestly look, I still don't agree with the treatment of Riley as a character, her storyline, how abruptly it ended. But in that moment, I was like, okay. Okay. All right, Margo. I at like least that. we got, at least we're getting at this moment. I'm glad they gave us a reason for Riley because that's the one I like. Okay, Harold's constipated, but I needed to know what was going on with Riley. And I like that she credited to her feelings for the character she ended up with because I, I, it's still linking it back. And then, uh, Courtney's the most thin one where she's like, Courtney wouldn't keep her mouth shut. It's like, I mean, I guess because Courtney <laughs> was really insistent on solving that crime and, and getting yeah. people to do it. But like, I want to know how, Margot. How did you do that? I still want to know. But that's fine. That's fine. I love it's just like, but Kyle, I, I love that they're just like, but Kyle handled that. Kyle handled it. But how? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then. Uh, oh. I love that she's giving all this, meanwhile, in front of a neon sign that says girls, girls, girls. Love it. Love it. I skipped the bullet point where she says, uh, like. It would have been a high key disaster if my mom hadn't found the strawberry syrup and confronted me about the mukbang. So lucky I broke down and told her everything. It was her idea to frame Clara. 
everyone already knew she was hiking insane. So she just had Kyle steal more spiders to put in everyone's brains. Great, mom's full of ideas. Love this. Mom's like, hey, let me help you plan the bachelorette. And by the way, also, this is how to get away with murder. There's some spiders at Clara's house we have to get. I love that in this monologue, what keeps happening is just, we just reveal that more and more people are capable of murder in this town. People in this town. So it really is just like, you know what? Just everybody, everyone's a killer. Well, Jordan, everyone's this a killer. happens all the time. These things happen all the time. You hear about these things all a the conspiracy, time. A murder conspiracy protected by multiple people happens all the time. <laughs> Gotta say, Marco's surrounded by some people who love her. I will say, yeah, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a misassessment on Margot's part when she was like, "No one's ever, no one loves me either." It's like I'm I don't know, girl. girl. Looks like looks like you got a couple fans. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and but actually, I think my favorite bullet point was the very last one where she's like, "Oh my god!" And then Clara killed herself. <laughs> it was like, "Oh my god, Clara killed herself." <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't oh. see that coming. I thought for sure it was Dylan Island or something or somebody. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, Clara just killed herself. <laughs> I shouldn't be he laughing. Just it was just like, for the ritual and she called it off on her own. Unbelievable. I and and now we have the love story of a century. I what a perfect bow. I I love it. That last scene. I great performance i i just i loved it i loved it i i loved it i it left me feeling very satisfied i again i personally don't really want a season two of this storyline because what i would imagine we're gonna get is like more cult and i just don't need it <laughs> yeah but we would. If, if there is a serious supernatural killer i'd love it if that supernatural killer is riley and they have to stop her then i hate that <laughs> because I want Riley to like come back and hang out at high school or college or whatever. You know what I mean? I just want yeah, Riley and to I also like. Want, I also want Riley and, 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 and Margot and Allison to all just be friends. Yeah, I want her to or not maybe know date each who, other because she really deserved love. And I want her to not know who hit her with the car and that be a total mystery to her. And then her just be like, wow, guys, crazy thing happened to me. And then be like, no, girl, we love you. Oh my God, I love that. I want them to all be and, united. And I want Riley to finally get to open her pharmacy. She is dedicated to serving the people in this town. She's an entrepreneur. Let her have the space. <laughs> Get this girl a pharmacy. Let her open a CVS. Let her open a CVS. I want Dr. Riley. I want Riley in a white lab coat. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to ask. Secret hottie Riley. God, oh my God. You know, she'd push up those glasses and we'd be like, oh, Riley. <laughs> I didn't know you could nerve me like that. <laughs> Like you said, is there a person underneath Riley? Is there another Riley? I want. I. I mean, I would. I would sign up for Riley Island. I would. <laughs> oh yeah, I would I watch know what Riley Island is. But um, but Amazon, because I know you're all listening. Uh, sorry about the basis joke. I swear, if you if you give me this, I'll be very happy. Just wrap it yeah. all up in one episode and give us a season two up. that's a different. I know what you did last summer. Different. Oh, in, give us a different forever party. Give us a different incident. You know what I mean. Give us a give us some different penmanship on those notes. <laughs> I knew this show was going to be I was like I'm going to have fun with this show uh, this show uh, exceeded expectations for me it, it exceeded uh, it exceeded in per, in caliber of performance from the actors uh, it exceeded in like the, the direction awareness I, I, the camera work I was shocked yeah. by how many times I was like wow this is beautiful or wow this is so fun like yeah. it, they did I do have to say I think they did the most with the least I think this I don't know the budget, but I do feel like the show looked more expensive than it was for sure. Mm, okay. It feel it has the mark of people who know what they're doing. And I love that. I always felt like we were in good hands. 
I felt like we were getting season four of Pretty Little Liars in season one of I Know What You Did Last Summer. And the crazier PLL got, the more I loved it. And so this show just like, this played such into a perfect frequency for me. And I am so glad we have charted this course. Me too. Across the season. What a, and also I do just having been a Pretty Little Liars fan, just like you, you know, I know what it's like to get 35 episodes of that and still <laughs> yeah. be, and leave not feeling satisfied till the next season. They did a great job giving us so much story in eight episodes. Oh, my God. And then wrapping it up. I couldn't believe. I was shocked. Because remember when we were talking about episode seven, we're like, oh, man, they're never going to wrap this up. This is this is not going to happen. And episode eight comes along. And here we are being like, wow, satisfied. Inexplicable. I am. I'm I'm basically entirely satisfied. I'm very. But for the Riley, I'm I'm entirely satisfied. Friend, it was a pleasure. I know what you did last summering with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was what an unexpected treasure this was. And uh, and uh, the format I'm glad we went into for the pod here. I loved it. I love doing this with you. And I love that we did it here on Ots Tyrion. Um, I loved I also loved people like tweeting us about the show. It was great. That was it really was fun. it was all all the dozens of us who cared about what's going on in the show. It was so much fun. I would love to that on that note. I would love to hear from you. Like tag us. Yes. I want to know what you thought of the ending because I yes. don't have enough friends that watched it, but I know nope. you did. So tell me. Yeah, please, please do let us know how you feel. And uh, and you can also let it know in the you know in the reviews. That's fine. Yeah. But like definitely tag me in how you felt about this episode because I I want to. Yeah, know. make it the make it the make it the year of Otterion getting to a hundred reviews. Oh my like God. let's let's That'd get be real. So fun. Let's go crazy, everybody. I mean, why not? Well, uh, friend, where can I find you? You can find me on Jor Crew uh, on Twitter at Jor Crew, J O R C R U. You can find me on the Feeling Scene podcast. Yes. I'm having so much fun doing for Maximum Fun. Who are some of your guests the, that you've had? Uh, the we opened with the incredible Emily Vanderwerf talking about Danny from Midsommar. We have talked to Eureka O'Hara, um, drag artist extraordinaire. Uh, the most recent episode I absolutely loved doing with Isabel Furman. Who stars in the novice? And again, I'm still floored that you got her. It's it's. I mean, it's all these one guests, of my favorite interviews amazing. I think I've, I've I've ever done. She <sighs> was just uh, she was so candid and lovely. Uh, so please go find that and you know find me on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/Cruciola. Sam shouted out Patreon earlier. You can pay me for the things that I make, and I would be happy for you to do so. And uh, I think you can join me and Sam both in enjoying Yellow Jackets. Uh, definitely, we'll be continuing to tweet that, and you can uh, read that at Sam Weinman on Twitter. Uh, or Instagram, and uh, you can watch my stuff by Googling me and seeing what's out there right now. And there's some more stuff coming that I can't tell you about. I'm uh-huh. very excited. In, be, yeah, in, in true Hollywood fashion. Can't tell you about Listen, it. Listen, we're L.A. close, friends. <laughs> uh, that's, that seventh sense that only exists here. So that close. That only exists there. Uh, but friends, thank you for going on this journey with us, and I, I can't wait to talk about season two if it ever arises. Yeah. And I can't wait to bring you guys season four of the Ots pod when that starts rolling out later in the year because we've got fun things coming. Pretty killer first guest. <laughs> yeah, pretty killer. All right. Those are enough cliffhangers. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Friend, I love you. I love you too. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.